And you've tuned in to another episode of The Wellness Couch. We're back where science and ancient wisdom collaborate. Apollo Bay Radio 87.6 FM. And we're your hosts, Katerina and Brett. Welcome. Welcome. Okay. Another year. Back into and it. And fantastic. We've got Jen Simmons here tonight. How are you going, Jen? Hello. Hey, good day. How are you? Hi, Jen. How are you going? How are you going? Good. Sounding a bit casual then, wasn't I? <laughs> hey, let me just introduce you, you beautiful girl. Um, you're an accredited Indigenous wisdom and wellness practitioner. Um, in fact, you got your diploma not long ago, a licensed early learning facilitator, and you actually teach both adults and children, which is so cute. Children over three at the moment, aren't you? Um, and uh, teaching them a more powerful connection and meaning relationship with uh, Earth Connection and uh, what it means, you know, um, to, to nature and self. You're also a multi-best-selling author. If many people remember you probably about a few years ago, we had you on, um, professional presenter, and your most recent book that you've written during uh, the lockdowns, kept yourself busy, didn't you, was uh, about sacred whale connections or the ancient wisdom for current times. You do present quite a bit. Um, uh, now, you've combined your own spirit and soul evolutionary experience from life experiences. You actually draw now as well. So you're a visual artist, an art therapist. Um, what don't you do, actually? It's amazing. Um, you also head up an Australian-based charity that incorporates um, active philanthropy. And uh, when possible, you open up volunteer, volunteer in that, opportunities to uh, into retreat schedules whilst giving back and gaining so much. So welcome, Jen, to... Um, the Wellness Couch. Well, thank you, lovely Brett and Katerina. It's wonderful to see you and what a great way to hail the new year together on the Wellness Couch. I love couch and a Wellness Couch sounds like just my type of couch. <laughs> so when you can sit back and have a chat. It's good. Yeah, and while we're sitting on the couch, hey, so let's navigate to your story. How did you actually get here in time now, in current time? <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, well, I'll do just cover the last couple of years. Um, I'll just start off very quickly, if it's okay. Um, just through my uh, journey, I'd like to start by acknowledging the country, um, uh, particularly the the traditional custodians. And I'm from right now, the Wurundjeri people and the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. And, of course, where you are at Gadabana. Past, present and elders, <laughs> yep, emerging, yes. Yeah, and uh, of course we always pay our respects um, to their elders, both past and present, and there's new ones in the future, which is exciting to see, and just ultimately I think acknowledge respecting their continuing culture and the contribution they make to life in this country and in this region. And anyone with us today that's Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, um, a very welcome and acknowledgement to you as well. So that's how I like to start things now. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. That's fantastic. Great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, you know, really um, being part of my evolution, I guess, um, to discover so much, I guess, it's always been sitting there, I'm going to say blindly, because we all possess this most incredible ancient wisdom. Yes. Uh, but most of us have forgotten it. And so... My journey over the last couple of years to get to your point of question <laughs> um, really was uh, a discovery that what I was a part of and talking about essentially, you know, the world that we live in and the system that we're a part of and in particular our individual colonised minds 
And I never really realised that I had one. <laughs> I never really thought my mind it's was amazing, anything. It's amazing, isn't it? What yeah. I spent whatever I occupied it with. But having travelled extensively and worked with Indigenous people all around the world um, way before COVID shut everything down, you know, that in different countries like Peru, Philippines, you know, they talk about, oh, before colonisation... Mm you know, da-da-da-da, before colonisation. And really only in those experiences uh, as an as a white Australian that I started to think, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we, we colonise places, <laughs> you know. Um, up until then, it just it's never been really um, in my awareness. So I'm not happy with a lot of things, including losing my business in tourism yeah. <laughs> because mm. COVID, COVID, you know, to that, but still the fate of um, of that. Um, you know, I really started to think about who am I, where am I going, do I still have any value to give in the world, mm. and what, where's the world going? You know, and so what I started to do was reflect a lot, and so I wrote a couple of books about the. Uh, philanthropy projects or volunteer projects that we've done around the world and it really helped me reconnect with with joy and getting back to purpose in, in an otherwise chaotic and crazy time. I mean, I'm in Melbourne so, uh, you know, it didn't get much more disturbing than here. It didn't. We did, I think about 275 days something in lockdown mm. which was just outrageous when you think about it yeah. for a virus that they were never going to get on top of. But anyway... Uh, that's that, your yeah, opinion, but just in terms of what that did, the impact it had on mental mm. health in Melbourne mm-hmm. and my my own um, as well. So starting to just sort of wanting to get out of that, reflect on good times, and remember the value that I was giving to the world, um, at least by my measure, good value. You know, so in other words, felt good about who I was and what I was doing, and and part of the fine in my mental state was because that was taken and suddenly I had no identity or sense of self and certainly certainty about the future. I mean, you know, it was cap <laughs> It really was. One day to the and next, we really didn't know where we were going. And as I re- reflect and started to remember some of the good stuff, you know, about who I am as a person, yeah, yeah. I started remembering other things as well. And... You know, I had a few epiphanies along the way that just kind of went, oh, wow, there's all these aspects of me that I've been so busy in my normal mm. life, which was a beautiful mm. life, but yeah. just the busyness of it um, meant I had no time to stop and really listen. And it was in the in the moments where I had that space to listen that I was able to transform the chaos into a blessing. And so COVID actually became a blessing for me because I had that space. And I began to just reimagine life, really, and what would I do um, from here on in. So I started to do some research on Indigenous Australians, and, and I've always had a love for marine life. Mm-hmm. And so I had this, again, a little epiphany one day about the song line of um, you know, a coastal nations people in particular. Uh, of course, you know, they all have song lines, but the coastal nations song lines and the whale song lines. So they all have song, song lines and the Aboriginal people have song lines. And I just had this moment where, oh, what's the correlation there? So I began researching the uh, relationship 
between the two, between the Aboriginal people and the whales that migrate our coast and, and uh, both sides of Australia and, and underneath of Australia every year from Antarctica. I'd had a, a magnificent experience in Tonga in August mm. 2019. <laughs> yeah. I, was, oh, I can't even tell you how magical it was. And so all these things just started coming to me as if I was being divinely guided. And the big thing I realised I needed to do was to let it come to me and to open up capacity. So instead of trying to figure out what it was, almost like being guided in the dark by, you know, a firefly sort of idea and just letting it take me without me trying to work out what the end destination was. And so in, a, in that allowing, um, and it came from the desire of wanting to, you know, find my new me, so to speak, um, you know, I landed in certain spots where it's just like, wow, this feels like home, and wow, this feels like home. Yeah, beautiful. And as I was doing that, mm. more, more remembering was coming to me. And so more curiosity, more research, you know, investing in courses, um, and... And I happened across, um, you know, Wayapa, which is an Indigenous wellness and ancient wisdom practice and mindfulness uh, process. And I went along to learn a little bit about it. Straight away I knew, okay, this is so healthy for me in terms of uh, helping to uh, decolonise my mind and and not be caught up so much in the world and the system, mm. you know, because the world yeah. is just a man-made construct that overlays the earth. You it know? does, yeah. And and it acts as a veil too that stops us because because of all the distraction and the lack of space to remember. And so I wanted to get to that earth connection. So it was kind of like you know breaking through that veil and being able to put my hand directly on earth and. And through all the work I'd done in Indigenous um, communities all around the world prior to COVID, uh, all, all sort of linked up that here I am in Australia where longest continuing culture exists. I've been working with remote Indigenous communities for eons and, and now I can focus on Australia and perhaps my calling is to help to build breach and the bridge between the colonised and the traditional custodians and bring us to a point where we not only better understand and appreciate each other, but we can begin to work constructively together. And this might be a bit political and I'll, I'll end this um, so you can go to wherever you no, want to go. Fine, go. But, but, uh, but um, you know, I think governments had long enough. And you know what? They've screwed it up. We just need them to get out of the way. Yeah. You know, we don't mm-hmm. need any more government directions, policies, referendums. We don't need it. We actually don't need it. We need to get together one-on-one, you know, shoulder-to-shoulder, heart-to-heart, hand-to-hand, and talk to each other and forget all that stuff that was put there to keep us separated mm, and, fear. To, and yeah. to be afraid of each other. Mm. And so... That's where I'm at right now, and Beautiful. I feel very much like I'm I'm taking that walk. If you've ever seen that Indiana Jones movie <laughs> where he steps out, you know, to get the um, you know, where he meets the knight across the bridge, and it's a leap of faith, and there's nothing underfoot, and the um, Temple of Doom, a pure yeah, heart. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I think it's called the Crusade, and he he throws some 
some dirt out so he can see there's actually a, an invisible path. And so he steps out over this chasm and he doesn't fall because his heart's pure. And, and of course, he makes it to the other side and from the cup uh, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. That, that's the fantasy of the movie. But that leap of faith was a point that I reached and thought, you know what, I'm going to go for this because it, courage is what creates breakthroughs. It does. And if I can find the courage to step into a little bit into their world and, and work with some of them to step a bit into my world, we can start to find the commonalities and work together and, and I want to learn and absorb so much from them, which I've been able to do through APA and, you know, it just improved my overall well-being. And well-being for me is not just it's not a fitness thing necessarily, although fitness is a good thing, but well-being is that complete mind, body, spirit and as um, APA teaches and earth. So without connection to mother, we are still this independent, isolated being, whereas with connection to earth, we become part of nature. We're never alone and we're fully supported. So that's the journey and, um, yeah, we don't need government to help us to figure that out. We just need opportunity to, to listen, deep listen, and learn and integrate. And that's kind of where I'm at. So that's the long answer, but hopefully a good one. Yeah, you mentioned there, Jen, that you you started doing a fair bit of research. So how did you go with that research? Because I I feel that part of the colonisation that we see is that we force, I guess, a a white education system onto Indigenous people. And for a lot of Indigenous cultures, they have an oral tradition. So a lot of it's not written down, or it might be through, singing, or more yeah, through dancing. art, or yeah, well, that's still part of your oral yeah, tradition, right? Yeah. So, and you mm. know, they they have separated people, and a lot of that those traditions have been lost. So, how did you go with your research? How did you find some of your research, and did you find it hard to track down? Yeah, that's such a great point, and it's sad um, because we've got over three hundred and sixty nations for our traditional custodians. So if you take Australia, there's 369 countries, if you like, or nations to them. Each has their own language. Now, if you take the Kulin Nation, Mm. um, that's made up of five groups or five clans. And about 80% of their language is the same, but they have their own uniqueness, right? And so because it is an oral um, uh, communication process and, and art tells the story, Absolutely, but it takes that passing on and that picking. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it's been lost. And so what I found in that research process was, I think you're expecting me to say that a lot of uh, a lot of the original stories mm. are still hidden, and a lot of the information that we can get come from diaries of the colonised. Yeah. Um, some very sympathetic and on the side of the Aboriginals and some, you know, obviously the diaries of the people, the, the, you know, the men that led the charge, so to speak. Mm. Um, and so you, and, and then there are some writers. And I think in this sort of real time of evolution and remembering, even for our Aboriginal people, there's to be many more of them now wanting to make sure that this information does get collated. Mm. I'm working with a, a natural medicine and at the moment I'm um, learning 
a combination of Aboriginal and Cherokee medicine from her bush medicine. And um, she has spent 25 years researching and um, itemising out individual words from her country. And, you know, a lot of words have been lost. 25 yeah. years of research wow. to, to be able to put together a language book, you know. So... Um, it's not easy. And it's not easy, Jen. And you've yeah. got the stolen generation, obviously brought up with the colonists yeah. as well. And you've also got appropriation yeah. too, you know, being yeah. um, colours. Like it's normally the white people who say, well, you're white. You know, you've got to leave their culture alone as well. So there's a few blockages coming up as well. Yeah, appropriation, you know, definitely something that, uh, you know, can, can scare people off. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think it just down pretty much to this, you know, we can never be them. They can never be us, but we can be together and we can learn from each other. And so that's why I've taken the formal paths and the informed paths that are approved by the elders in my own learnings and in my own practices and, and now what I offer the world so that I, as best I can, stay within their, um, you know, their, their um, what is it? paradigm you know their, their their expectations and hopes to maintain their culture and that that's the big thing there's no place for me to teach you anyone's culture but my own but the good thing and this is a really important part to that Katarina we are all indigenous mm. to mm. this earth and somebody over where my ancestors are from hopefully is acknowledging country of my ancestors yes. who cares. Yes. So all our ancestors at one point lived and lived in harmony with the earth and all of nature oh, and natural resources. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. No. would have evolved. Your, your bloodline wouldn't have lasted to you. Mine wouldn't have lasted to me. So, it's, you know, that's the other side of appropriation is to remember that just because you may not be Indigenous to this country yeah. doesn't mean that don't have ancestral roots that are. Mm, totally agree with That's you. That's the really important part is to go back and find that out. And I'm not talking about Ancestry.com, which is you know, fancy <laughs> and, and DNA testing. This is about actually, you know, researching for yourself, knowing where you're, you're you know, as far back as you can with, within living memory and then looking for yourself for what you can find and, and connecting with that and remembering from their system. And a bit like what I've done in my work prior to COVID, travelling around to all these remote Indigenous communities and learning from them um, and them wanting to learn from me. I just didn't have a full understanding of who I was at that time. Now I do, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I took away more from them than they may have gotten from me because of that, because the Western system, the colonised system, wanted us to forget, I think, because I don't remember ever being invited to remember. Mm. You know? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I think right? the Western system encouraged that, that disconnection. yeah. That disconnection from self and from Earth. Right. Um, you just talk to anyone that goes, you know, hiking or camping. Um, and, like, especially living down here in Apollo Bay, I, I make comment on pretty much every, you know, holiday period where you see people coming from the city, they've normally got big homes yeah. and they they pay good money to then sleep in a, under a piece of nylon in a tent at the beach. Yeah. And you think, 
know, our ancestors actually worked their way out of these caves and out of thatched huts to go, we live in a house. And now we have right. this, I think it's just innate in us, we want to get back to nature. And, and so people do yeah. like to go camping. They see that as a way as, you know, family bonding time, which is back in nature. And, and it's interesting that it's innate in us, but we sort of just keep it cut away because we keep being distracted with, you know, a new streaming service or, a, you know, what, whatever it yeah. is in the city that that's right. keeps coming, yeah. being thrown yeah. at us. Like, you know, the bells and whistles. That's right. Like, I remember when iPads first came out, I said, what, what can you do with that? Then all of a sudden you can't live without one. Like, yeah. you know, like six months ago, you didn't even know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you're so right. And getting back to nature is just that term tells you everything if you break it, break it yeah. down. Getting back is all about remembering that we are nature. We're not separate from it. Well, the, in, in, yeah, the Indigenous I, obviously know, yeah. Quite connected yeah. there. And I look 100%. I'm so inspired by, you know, and it's sad that the tears that they will cry for a tree that's been cut down because that's mm. their family. Yeah, yeah. And, well, their ancestors, and, yeah. and our people mow these things down in the name of progress. progress you know, yeah. you can probably imagine I'm doing those bunny ears no. as I say that. No. It's not progress. No. You know, it's regress, and, yeah. and it's painful for them because they've never lost that connection. And as I began to reconnect, I began to feel what they feel because it hurts to see this going on, whereas before, you know, I was blinded. So remember I said sitting there blindly at the start? Mm. There's a lot of blinding, and if, as it turns out, we're talking about the system and, and the colonised world, which I wasn't sure where we were going with this you know, you think about from birth, the, the normal birth process, you come out of the... The tree, uh, the birthing the world, tree, yeah. Straight into bright light. The bright light of a theatre. Yeah. You know, in the traditional, conventional Western birth. And so you're blinded from the moment you hit, from the moment you land, you know, in into earth. Your and blood supply is cut off, you're oxygenated yep. <laughs> right away. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. My girlfriend, um, you know, she, she actually did the certification, you know, my accreditation with me. And she told us the story of, um, so they gave their three, because she had three children, they gave their children each a totem when they were oh, born. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. And, yeah, it's so beautiful. And, and the birthing and we, trees our, as well. Well, we'll get to that. No, too. okay, yeah. But in this story, she told us the story about um, her youngest son, who was on the program with us. Beautiful young man, He's for Parks New South Wales. Thank God, um, someone like him on the on that payroll guiding them. Mm. But she took his placenta and buried it under the tree where his totem was. Oh, like, was beautiful. Excited. and so you know he's in, innately connected to the earth and nothing can break that and it's so beautiful and our ancestors may not have done the same things but they worked in nature and they saw themselves as part of nature and so you know Brett when you're saying about getting back to nature there couldn't be a more appropriate expression than for us to get back to who we are and the remembrance and remembering to allow that remembering. So don't process it and figure out what it means, but, you know, yeah. allow it to happen. Well, and yeah. It yeah. all floods 
know. Yeah, yeah. Na- nature does have the ability to be imbued with spiritual power and significance. Like you just have to look at forest lakes, mountains, <laughs> oceans. They often invoke a feeling of divine yeah. or inspire a sense of awe. And, you know, they're our resource that people may use to connect to the sacred and, and um, to generate their spiritual feelings. Mm. Oh, yeah, totally. And, you know, you mentioned birthing trees. You know, I, I had the real true honour of um, just amazing. birthing. Yeah. yeah, I was up at Warrotary Country, which is um, the Murray Riverina area in New South Wales. Anyway, it's kind of in the middle of New South Wales. And um, a, a local Indigenous man took us uh, took us to have a look at a few sacred sites. Um, there was actually a hospital which for women, which I'll tell you about shortly. He took us to this birthing tree, and it was the most miraculous thing. I have photos of it on my Facebook. Um, they actually carve out the inside of the tree mm. and burn it. Um, you know, they blacken yeah. it so that women can go in there mm. through the labour process. They can put a fire in there because the tree won't burn down. So the tree's basically hollowed out except for this open... And, 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 it's basically hollowed out and there's an opening that's made about a quarter to a third of the diameter of the trunk, right? Mm. So so three quarters, let's say, of the trunk standing, but it's all hollowed out. But above is a fully vibrant, abundant tree producing. So it has a complete canopy on it. It's, um, it's teeming with life. So they don't they didn't actually kill the tree in carving out basically the guts of it, if you know what I mean, yeah. um, hollowing it out. And, of course, you know, the scar tree where they took the main, you know, the top layers off the trees to build their canoes. And, again, those trees still thrive um, because they knew how to work with it without destroying it. And just like you and, said previously, too, about the placenta, yeah. that, that tree grows up to be their guidance, like their north star that person as well absolutely yeah yeah that's why it's so important to them in their culture it actually is their guidance or the north star for them in in life yeah absolutely and that's the thing they'll go um you know so i've I've had the pleasure every nation has its own different protocols that's what the word i was trying to look for before protocols when i said paradigm um but you know, uh, so depending on where you go, which country you're in, you may get a different version of these stories I'm telling. But um, uh, when I was in um, Wiradjuri country, yeah. um, and we went to this, um, you know, we went to the birthing trees. Before that, we actually went to this area, which was um, two rocks. Imagine a big mm. sort of like rock, like massive, right? Well, when I say massive, massive, a bit taller than average human right the big round rock but you imagine drilled through the middle of it so you've got two halves and a bit missing in the middle right you get what i mean like yep. you take an orange yeah and you cut it not straight down the middle but to one side and one side and you don't you've got a hollow bit you know you've got a bit open in the middle well that was again another birthing suite it was a hospital and when you go between those rocks wow. it's warm because the heat of the earth and the sun warm the rocks so when someone was sick, oh, yeah. um, the way they cut the rock, you know, meant that the rock would retain heat so that the person would be more comfortable. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. yeah, and then another place, um, you know, where they could be cooler. So they had basically had air-conditioned uh, hospitals for heating and cooling depending on the season. 
Um, and so, and they would return to these places. And my friend's son, you know, he returns to that place, like you were saying, that's his home base. Mm. And so he has strong bond with his, his birth mother, that he has this intrinsic bond yeah. with his earth mother. Yeah. And it's just the most beautiful thing. And, you know, when I listen to her, my heart just explodes um, because... It's so beautiful, and I think that's why it's been kept from us. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think that's really um, and significant. Why they separate it from us. Yeah, I think that's really God. significant because research does show that um, people who are more connected with nature, as in, you know, when you're birthing, obviously you're going to be connected, like imprinting um, to that particular area. They're usually happier in life and more likely to report feelings that, um, you know, their lives are more worthwhile. That so starts at birth. There you go. How interesting. Mm. Yeah, so um, it's just there's so much, there's so much awe and beauty in these people are, and it it's really just beautiful. My heart's singing. Oh, I'm, <laughs> You're I'm telling me these stories. Keep going, keep going. But um, you know, just to know that that's like how lucky are we as white, you know, non-traditional people to be living on a continent where the oldest continuous culture is so beautiful, so purposeful and so respectful. And the oldest um, continuous culture, that's a thing. Mm, yeah. You're blessed to have these people. And you know what? More and more, the more and more I'm working in the space I'm in, the more of them are drawn to me and the more I'm drawn them I'm drawn to as well and so you know collaborations take place and so I'm and that's healing because oh, that's totally unity healing. yeah it, it, but it's just that beautiful peaceful ah oh, you know we've got this sort of thing um and we didn't need any invention hence why you know I said that before and I apologize if Bernard was offended from the point of view that you know there's understanding that you gain if you think that there's something wrong with um, you know, with us, because it's not. It's just been we've been interfered with, we've been diverted, we've been distracted, and we've been denied access. Yeah. And I still see it going on now. And so, if you can find ways, um, you know, and if you can't, come and come and walk on my bridges. You know, that's why I've built them. Um, but if you can find ways to work and connect with and experience and share. And vulnerable, like you've got to be honest about where you're at. You know, we're, we're the colonised, whether we came here as the first generation yeah. of our family or not, right? We came onto someone else's land and there's an opportunity for us to listen deeply to what that means to them and where they're at now and how we can all move forward here. Um, and thankfully, yeah, we just we don't need government. In fact, to be honest, I wish they'd bloody well go away and let us do... <laughs> They're acting like celebrities, aren't they, really? <laughs> oh, well, I know. They want their celebrity status, yeah. Yeah, I didn't plan to be controversial. But, you know, it's just, um, it's just something that is a personal experience. You can't, you can't write policies or, or amend constitutions if your heart's not open. Definitely. Nothing will change. And if healing doesn't happen directly with you and I, it doesn't matter if you think that the um, Prime Minister is the best one we've ever mm. had because his time's up, we're back in square one, you know, and that's not advancing anybody. So sometimes I wonder if 
that's their intention, to be honest. But, um, you know, there's so much we can do that we don't need that intervention. And then if you want to follow the government, and then great, do that as well. But start with yourself and your own earth connection and you'll, you'll naturally lead to them because they're so interwoven into nature that you can't help but become connected with them anyway. And it's a really beautiful thing. So, I mean, I've got a whole new, you know, group of friends and connections and things on my horizon that I couldn't have imagined prior to COVID and wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for COVID. So I think the pathway starts for anybody who says, I'm going to turn what happened into a true blessing and let this come to you as well, you know, and, and take a journey. Um, because they're standing there with open arms and open hearts, ready to receive us. Um, we just got to be willing to take the steps, you know. And there's still some, obviously, gaps and blocks and stuff for, and on both sides, and that's okay, you know. It's everyone at their own pace, <laughs> in their own time. But take the, start the journey, um, and let's be the generation that really makes the change and, and, you know, is the point in time where it was the turning point, you know. Because we all stepped up, not because we were told to. That's right. Now, Jen, you're also known as the whale woman. Let's go into that as well. So, I mean, um, being being on the coast too, like being right there where the songlines are, coastal Australian, do we call them First Nations now or have we gone back into a circle, Indigenous? Well, again, with 369 nations, there's a whole lot of different perspectives at, at that level, and then there's just individual perspectives. It's like we've come so full I like circle. to say traditional. Yeah, yeah. I like to yeah. say traditional custodians because yeah, that's how the, I know they all see themselves as that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So traditional custodians, they they saw the actual all the tribes. They they had deep notions of um significance with the whales. They perceived the whale as an ancestor, whom yeah. they love, and one that helped to shape the land and the seas. And that brings us back to the songlines because some people might not know what songlines mean, but they're they're long creation stories um, or lines that cross a country. Like I know, for example, um, from the desert to Byron Bay, I think it's about three and a half thousand. Hayes, yeah, that is an actual song line all the way through the desert to, to Byron Bay. So they're sacred sites um, into place um, of the Indigenous culture or the uh, traditional um, custodians. Oh, the nature. Yeah, and yeah. they're about creation of the land and the animals and their law, isn't it? They're deeply tied the Australian, to the Australian landscape and they provide important knowledge and their cultural values and wisdom to the... Um, Custodians Correct. as well, so but yeah. but on a spiritual level, there's lots of subtle energy that dwells along these lines too, and this is where the whales pick up on. So I'll leave this to you mm. now. <laughs> well, actually, I want to hear some more of what you've got to say. No, let's think about you because of what no, you've no, actually. Going. Yeah, keep no, going. I just know oh. that the whales and their song lines they actually determine their song lines by not only what's in the ocean but by the stars as well. They navigate their pathways mm. and maps via the stars. Mm. Very interesting. Well, again, depending on where you are, so on which country to depend on their, their ancestral stories, but again, with the countries countries that I've been working with, um, generally speaking, the, their creation stories include um, the whale, particularly the coastal, particularly Queensland coastal. So the whale is the totem, for example, of... Um, the um, original custodians, the traditional custodians of 
um, the Keppel Islands, um, oh. which are the Wapabura people. Mm. So the whale is actually their totem. And they How actually gorgeous. wrote to Yeah, they actually wrote to the Japanese government. Um, I've got the letter. It's absolutely it's just it's beautiful but of course sad. But in the Japanese government to stop whaling because yeah. every whale they took was a member of their I'm family. A family. Yeah. Mm. Is there a particular and, whale that's their totem? Um, the humpback whale. Oh my yeah. god, the male humpback sings the most. So female humpbacks don't sing, they only do their clicks, but the male humpback sings actual song lines, the songs. That's right. Yeah. I've actually heard that. <laughs> Gorgeous. Heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um yeah, so the the uh people of the Keppel Islands, um, they call the um see, I think it might be Mugga Mugga up there. Uh, so again, with all those different languages, that's why I explain that at the start. As you go around the coast from up there, uh, right around to Western Australia, each nation has their own name for the whale. Mm. So it's not it's not like English where we just go to humpback whale, right? Yeah. It's just um, name it, you know, country by country. So I think it's Darrenball country, um, and I'm pretty sure it's, Yes, I'm just opening up my file. Actually, it took a little while to load. Yeah, so Mugga Mugga is the their Darrenbold people's word for humpback whale. Um, so yeah, they wrote to the Japanese government um, pleading the case, and I think that really highlights yeah. um, just how strong their connection to nature is. Um, and uh, of course, they never got any response or anything. But, um, the fact that they felt strongly enough to do that really tells you how much it, you know, this is literally their family, you know. Uh, so the humpback whales, um, the minke whales, the orcas, um, the pilot whales, the false killer whales, um, probably some others I can't think of right now, they all migrate up coast um, of, you know, they come up from Antarctica for the breeding and birthing season every year. Past here, yeah. Yeah, and they go, you know, they go all up through the Pacific. As I mentioned, I've been to Tonga. I'm going to Tahiti this year. Oh, how beautiful. Over there. Oh, I know. <laughs> Tahiti sounds nice. Yep. I've got room for two people to come with me <laughs> um, on that trip. We've chartered a boat and we'll go out for six days and we'll, we'll swim with them. We'll also record their songs. Um, so that's part of my sound therapy studies that I'm doing at the moment. I believe that the healing that I'm going to be able to bring it through sound therapy. I've got I've got one singing bowl, but I've got a few therapy instruments, but I think I'm going to use the whales. Um, I'm feeling that that's where, you know, my, my work will be using the whale sounds um, because they they operate, um, you know, they scan us, scan us um, very easily. Just like when dolphins, you know, if you get into the water with dolphins, mm-hmm. for example, people mm-hmm. say there's the, there's the mental... Um, an emotional joy of doing that. Oh, yes. physical healing yes. that people can often articulate. Yeah. Um, so these capacities that they have, we have too, but again, we're just, it's like our fuse box is blown. We've got to find the blown fuse and replace it and, and unlock these electromagnetic powers that we have as well to be able to communicate directly back on these sort of like... Wiring back our DNA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. 
just trying to keep it very simple. But yeah, I know. Worrying back our DNA, know, our 12 strands. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Data, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm just trying to keep it simple for a first-time listener. Yes. Um, yeah. So um, the whales migrate every year. Now, here's a really interesting thing about that, right? A female whale will only calve every three to four we'll say two to four years, but about every three years on average, a female will carve, so have another baby. Will carve, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, so, so you think about this, the pregnant uh, female whale swims up to the coast. Let's say they go up to the Keppel Islands for the sake of it. Give birth there. They return with their newborn back to Antarctica. The following year, she doesn't come back she's not birthing. So what does she say? What does she say? Where does she stay? Oh, where does she stay? Well, no one knows that. Um, obviously, she would make her way to feeding ground. Mm. But the juvenile whale, the juvenile male whale, will travel back. So how does that whale know? Because it didn't travel consciously birth up there first time. So this is my point, Right. How do they know where to go back to? The males the are, eels. yeah. The males right. are the ones that sing, though. <laughs> it, well, that's right. Well, they come back for breeding, come back for mating, right? But how do they know when they didn't make that journey the first time around? The yeah. Food, yeah. Right? And so the Aboriginal uh, wellness modality that I work with honours and acknowledges the eel for the same reason. The eel makes the journey from fresh water to salt water to oh, birth. It does too, yeah. And the females return. But the babies swim back to the fresh water hole. How do they know how to do that? So it's it's an innate system. It's it's a communication system. Internal navigation. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a home system. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. It, and it's cellular memory. That's and it's it human resonance too, apparently, around the globe as well. They can actually resonate with that. They do. Well, they sing the same thing. But this cellular memory is something that we all possess as, as well, which is why I encourage people to, out the listening, don't try and categorise it or sort it out. Because we have the same capacities, our tuition or that gut feeling that you have. Mm. That is your cellular memory. So we're... People talk about intergenerational trauma. We also have intergenerational well-being. Yes, and healing. And yes. Absolutely, right? And the whales carry all of this, as do the eels, as do any other animal that knows knows its way without being shown first. Um, and that intuition or that cellular memory is um, a very strong part of what, I believe, has also been hidden from us or denied from us because we do have the same ability. And tie it back to humans, exactly what you were saying, Katerina, they communicate with us. And with um, the research that I was doing and with the people that I'm working with to coastal, so so their elders and leaders from coastal tribes or clans, they have been communicating with the whales for thousands of years Hmm. and the chain was broken simple way to put it when the colonized came and started killing the whales so the aboriginal people would take them but they'd only take one that would end up 
because they didn't have the sophisticated technology, right? And they would use it for everything that they need. They'd feed all the clams around them. So they didn't have to take a lot of whales, right? They didn't only have whales as their source. But when the whaling industry came along, all the trust was broken. And the colonised leaders of the whaling movement um, paid the Aboriginal men to go out and lure the whales in. Mm. And so um, over time, and, and again with the cellular memory think about that in the background, the whales stopped coming. And why would you? Why would you go to a place that is the slaughter ground? Well, that's right. Right? So what has been happening, and again, is a really big movement. So if we go from the Kipples all the way around to Augusta in Western Australia, and in particular, the Great Australian Bight, the Aboriginal groups have been getting together. Um, in their clans, in their individual postal nations, and they've been calling the whales in. So through the song lines, and you were talking about capacity to communicate, so down not much further from where you are right now, Mm -hmm. in in that Warrnambool area, for example, or or just past yeah, where um, it's, um, I think it's got the Mara or Mara country, Mara for short, the the tribe the coastal tribes there have been pulling the whales for the last twenty years, mm-hmm. and they've restored the relationships with them. And depending on who you talk to and and where your belief systems are willing to be open to, and I can see plain here that this is why the whales have been returning, and and as frequently as they have, and in the numbers that they have, because the trust is being rebuilt. Because, the, you know, the elders and the oh. leaders now have realised, again, stories from the past that have, have been lost and beaten down in them, they're remembering them and they're using them. So they've been calling the whales in down your way, vulnerable. Yes, but... Like I said, for the last 20 years. Yeah, we, we're having and, a few issues, though, in the last few years. We've got seismic testing and gas exploration, so that's why it's critical for them not to be in our oceans at the well, moment. Well, my from... love, if you think that's bad... Wait till you see the diagram that's been released showing where all of these black windmills are going in the water. Windmills? Yeah, we've got offshore windmills yeah. coming yeah. in. <sighs> They're littering. They are going to litter the coast of Victoria. It's disgusting. Um, and I believe it's going to have a major impact on our whale population. And I've actually joined and trained myself into whale rescue um, for that reason because I think we're going to have, we're going to have pods of whales beaching everywhere. Sorry to be a Debbie Downer, but um, yeah, it's a real, really big concern and um, and unfortunately the only technical research source that they have in Victoria um, has said, well, it's just, we have to have these windmills. So they're not even fighting for whales. <laughs> um, so it's an absolute tragedy. So just past, I think, Portland, your way, they're going to start and... Um,
I am mortified. I thought we were already dealing with seismic testing and gas exploration. Now we've got this. Oh. Well, that's not going to have anywhere near the impact. Um, it's going to have impact, but the windmills are um, absolute game changer. And it's going to happen all around Australia. So New South Wales coast, I don't know where their hot spots are yet. I haven't seen their map, but I got a hold of Victoria's map and um, it's horrific. So their capacity to send out signals, um, you know, is a problem. But also this is going to be another deal breaker. It's going to break that trust, I think again and so we're going to be back to testing whether or not you know they really want to come to our shores anymore um and this is supposedly in the name of progress i don't know what to say to that but you know thoughts earlier (laughs) it's pretty annoying when i know we've got access to the tesla energy that's all free energy well yeah well yes that's right that's exactly right um but they want to put these windmills up so, um, and nobody has stopped the government's progress to do it. And like I said, the only organisation in Victoria that could have stood up um, has published that, you know, it's just a pity that these things are necessary. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> we've, got, we've got so much sun and so much like wind on, on right. land without having, to, be, water. Without having to put it I mean, it how, much land, how much more land do we bloody need? Look at the size of Australia. And do exactly. we need wind technology anyway? I mean, I question that. Anyway, and how much desert do we have too for solar? That's what I'm That's what I'm. You know, about. we're all based on the East how Coast. Much, what about the internals? Well, there's so much we can do, but we're going to, Dan Andrews wants to, um, you know, Put, put windmills in the in the ocean on Victoria coastlines so that uh, you know Victoria this green energy. Great belt. water has memory too. Great. Mm. Yes, yeah. there's so much about that. Anyway, um, getting back to what you know the other the, the positive side of things. Um, you know the song lines of the indigenous people is a memory code, and song lines of the whales is a memory code. And both have preserved that memory and that's where the communication starts to kick in. So there's been a little bit of research on this. Um, uh, with A couple of universities have done some studies on it. Stranger Geographic um, compiled some data on it um, and another um, uh, animal research organisation in the States um, also done some work on it. And so it's been really fascinating to see... Uh, how science is actually starting to catch up with spirituality. I think that's the best way to put it, right? So what our what our um, you know traditional custodians have known all along, science is only just starting to get to now. Um, but unfortunately, it doesn't prevent you know, this progress of the colonised um, and uh, and our, our lust for all the things that we we want. But it's really interesting uh, and fascinating. And there's a couple of um, countries in particular that are amazing people can follow up if they want to see um, Ewan country which is um, mm-hmm. sort of south of Sydney yeah. down to Eden um, they made this fantastic little documentary about calling in the whales and they actually filmed most of a whale calling ceremony so you can watch that um, online and then around in Moon which is on the Great Australian mm-hmm. by Mooning country People were removed, forcibly removed from their land, um, but managed to get back there. And they made a fantastic documentary 
um, with Julian Lennon um, and Jack Thompson narrates it. And it's a story about an American-Canadian um, connecting up with the Australian Indigenous people, then bringing Indigenous people from all around the world onto the country at the head of the bight. And um, and together they called in the whales. Uh, and they, you know, it's a documentary that they've made. It's called The Whale Dreamers. Oh, um, you have to pay to watch that one. It goes for about an hour. Proper full-on movie production. You and Nathan, you know, got good production values, but you um so the one for you and cunt got good production values, but whale dreamers is um you know kind of like Hollywood level production if you know what I mean yeah. um so they're fantastic inspirational informative um and uh and just you know really important parts of gaining greater under deeper understanding and appreciation for these custodians and the excellent work that they've dedicated mm-hmm. their whole lives to. Um, for keeping, you know, Australia as well as it is. Yeah. Wow. What else? Yeah. Well, <laughs> just before we go, too, Jen, let's um hit on um what you're doing as a practitioner too, the Wayapa, the uh, Wisdom for Modern Times. Um, can you talk? Yeah, are you allowed to talk about the fourteen elements, the the movement practice? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. The Wayapa work um is two words taken from two different nations language. Wayapa meaning connect and work which is W, double, uh, sorry, work is spelt W-U-U-R-R-K, not work as in W-O-R-K. So mm-hmm. way up for work means connect to And so it's earth mindfulness um, uh, yarn, if you like, or conversation to deepen our understanding and start to uh, undo the colonised mind, you know, very beginnings of that. Um and it's also a body wellness modality. So think Tai Chi for the Chinese or yoga for the Indians. Qigong, yeah. Yep. And for the Australians, we've got Wayapa. The 14 element um, movement is um, is taking us through natural elements that the Aboriginal people honour and acknowledge and why they honour and acknowledge them. So think of like a Tai Chi movement honouring the creator, um, a movement honouring the sun, the moon, the earth. Uh, uh, oh, gosh, what comes after earth? Oh, mental blame, uh, lightning. Fire. <laughs> yeah. uh, the rain, um, lightning and fire, the rain, the wind, the tree, the air, land, and water, and um, the gatherer, the hunter, and the child, which is the creator. So there's a sequence um, that goes with that and, yeah, it helps again to bring appreciation. It's a great movement that takes about 10 to 15 minutes um, to do, the practice to do. So it's a great body loosening process. There's no right or wrong way. It's not like yoga where you can either make it or you don't. You can do it lying down. (laughs) And it's a connection process. It's a connection process to earth, isn't it? It's a connection to nature process. It is a connection process, and so you can do it lying down, you can do it sitting in a chair, you can do it standing up. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's about you and your um, presence with earth and and moving through the honouring and acknowledgement of those elements, which include yourself as the hunter-gatherer child. So it's a very beautiful thing. Everyone that comes to the other side of the practice with me is just like, oh, that's so wonderful. I mean, they really love it. And 
we're able to open people up and um, and make those little shifts in consciousness as well as um, willingness. You know, to so know you're you're conducting some of these programs in Williamstown at the moment, or around the country, aren't you? I am. I've actually got one coming up in Lawn, which isn't too far from you. Whoa! And one in um, when's that coming up? Torquay. Minute, let me just open it up and I'll tell you. Um, Maybe you should come and do one here on our property. Well, you can mm. definitely do that. Mm. That would be beautiful. That would be gorgeous. So got people. Yeah, go on. You'd be able to um, spend some time with some dingoes. Mm. Well, that would be that would be great. I'd love that. Um, yeah, and if you've got people in the local area that would like to come, um, you know, the practice is always really beautiful. It starts with the earth mindfulness. Without that, um, you've got to have that capacity to sit with listening. Because if you think about how Indigenous people, not just Australian, but you can see it in your mind's eye, the Australian Indigenous people, you know, they'll they'll sit quietly and they'll listen and, yeah, you know, the story they tell. They do. And then we practice. If we just go straight into the modality, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't yeah. um, permeate. If you actually do it as a complete process, it's really very beautiful. So where am I? On the 15th of February, I'm in Inverloch. On the 9th of March in the uh, morning, sunrise, I'm in Torquay. Um, sunrise for 6.30 and that night I'm in Lawn at 5.30. Um, so we could do something around those or another time. Then I've got a deep listening, whale whispers and wisdom, deep listening um, sea experience. So anyone wants to look at that. I up at the next level. So once you've done this initial First workshop level, that yeah, talking about that introduces yeah. people, um, you can then go on to do next level. So, look, I've got all that stuff up on the web if anyone wants to have a look. But they're the – oh, no, I've got one in Williamstown somewhere in amongst that moon. I think it's the 7th of March. Um, I've got um, a full moon one here in uh, Willy where I am right now. So people can go to learnearthconnection.com. That's okay to mention. Absolutely. How do you spell that? Just L E A R N. Yeah. com, And it should come up with my events page on Humanitics. And so you can, there's four events that come up and then you can load more. So you can see all my events so far. Tahiti's not up yet, but it'll be up soon. Um, yeah, you can see what's coming up. I'm doing a Whale Wisdom reading for um, NAIDOC week this year. So mm. if anyone wants to come down and see mm-hmm. that, they can. Yeah. So anyway, is, is that on the page on as well? Page. It is, yep. yeah. And are you on Instagram, Facebook? Yeah, where can people find you? That type of thing? I am on Facebook, just Jen Simmons. And if there's 500 of us when you search, mine's got <laughs> <this block. laughs> It's not exactly the original name, is it? Um, is mine. There's Rock is the cover picture and the DNA, you know, the helix rolling through as Rock. So okay. if you find that one and there's a photo of me with the veggie gar- veggies from my garden, that's, that's me and you can get to everything from there, of course. Or, um, yes, yeah, Learn Earth Connection just for my events. But um, I'd love to make friends with anyone that's listened and, yeah, share what I can with you. That's fantastic. Oh, how so- have we gone? Well, unbelievably, we're out of time. Um, that hour has gone I feel like extremely we've just quickly. Yeah, we just sort of started touch, so scratching the surface. Um, so we we do need to wrap it up. So thank you so much for that. Is there yeah, anywhere else that people can 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 connect with you? Or is it just Facebook and also your web page? Yeah, 
Yeah, look, Learn okay. Connection is really my event. Facebook for private messaging. I'm keeping it pretty simple and straightforward. Um, just, yeah, trying to be as uncolonised as I can be. And they can get <laughs> your books off your webpage as well? Everything um, through me there, and I am having a little bit of a website built actually. But um, yeah, my t- it's not calling me to do it. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, fair call. <laughs> Just letting it, letting it play. Go out with a heart. Yeah, yeah, go with heart. Got yeah. other things to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but look, if people find me on Facebook, um, you know, and they want something, just send me a message, and I'll I'll be able to guide you to where you'll find yeah. it. Um, yeah, I want to know who's who anyway. I mean, I'd, I'd rather make connections. Yeah you know, than anything else. So cool. hopefully that's enough for people to find me and go from there. Thanks so much. Thanks for sharing your journey and your story with us tonight. Yeah, oh, been no fantastic. Worries. Sorry, exactly. here's me trying to find um, a song line um, or what it sounds like. Sorry, I'm quickly going... Um, <laughs> on, the, on the website, just trying to find um, some whale song line voices. Am oh. I... Oh, my stuff or your own? No, I'm a website. All, all we're getting is tap, tap, tap. Yeah, I know, because I'm tapping really fast. Here we go. Eastern. There <laughs> <laughs> we go. Probably... Dedication to you, darling, for coming on. Thank you so much. That's probably a nice way to close it out. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, okay darling, I'll talk to you soon. Thank, Thank you, you so Jen. much Thanks for coming on the show. show. It's been a You'll see me soon. Pleasure. Okay, Bye. take care. Thanks. Bye. And you're listening to 87.6 FM, the whale nose gout. Um, the Australian humpback whales. I'll leave that on just for a little bit. Good night. We'll see you next week.